Turret. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. There was a deadly plague of darkness that came over all of Egypt because Pharaoh... A kind, a type of the Antichrist himself declared, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? So darkness covered the earth at that time, so that the Egyptians could not see their head from their tails, so to speak. They couldn't see beyond the edge of their nose. Darkness was intense. And yet the Bible says that in the houses of the Israelites, there was light. Light versus darkness. We want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. As I was going through my preparations today, as I always do, I came across Israel National News with a headline, The Deadly Plague of Darkness making a mockery of man's pretensions, making a mockery of man's pretensions. It seems that that's kind of the way things are today, isn't it? Man's pretensions. Man seems to be elevating himself against God, against the light of God, and so the very very light that is in man is becoming increasingly dark, and yet we are called to be ambassadors of light. So today on Viewpoint, we want to talk about overcoming this plague of darkness. Overcoming the plague of darkness. As the Bible says, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. Yes, but it also says his light shall arise upon you. Kings shall come to your light and the Gentiles to the brightness of your rising. Speaking of Israel, lift up your eyes now about and see. Well, it's very hard to see amid the darkness, isn't it? Let's get an illustration of what that darkness looks like. Here is the latest report. NASCAR goes gay. Every American sport league is now actively and unashamedly pro-LGBT. In other words, favoring and actively favoring that which God says he hates and is an abomination to him. With NASCAR's move, virtually every American sport league is now actively and unashamedly pro-LGBT, committed to promoting sodomy as good and essentially tossing the complementarity of man and women into the dumpster of history. NASCAR, the nation's premier stock car competition organization featuring the biggest names in auto racing, announced it has partnered with an LGBTQ plus organization to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion training. NASCAR says it's excited to partner with the Carolinas LGBT plus Chamber of Commerce, said Brandon Thompson, NASCAR's vice president of diversity and inclusion. With NASCAR offices and much of our industry based in the Carolinas, we look forward to working with 
This organization, in support of its mission to foster equity, inclusion, and economic prosperity for the LGBTQ community. We know that fans of NASCAR look different, they love different, they're differently able. And so, NASCAR made a major donation to the Carolinas LGBT Plus Chamber of Commerce. They said this gives us an opportunity to let them know that we see them as well as support them. The Carolinas LGBT Plus Chamber of Commerce is described in NASCAR's press release as, quote, an organization of gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and LGBT plus and allied businesses, corporations, and professionals throughout Western North Carolina and most of South Carolina. Wow. The intentionality of NASCAR's partnership will allow the Carolinas LGBT plus chamber to leverage relationships and increase our work in the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion, said the vice chair of the Carolinas LGBT plus chamber of commerce. The distinct brand that NASCAR brings to the chamber validates their commitment to equity and non-discrimination both on and off the track. It's an honor to name the league our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Partner for 2022. What an amazing relationship, they say. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Thinking themselves wise, they become fools, as the scripture says, and their foolish minds and hearts become darkened. And as their foolish minds and hearts become darkened, God gives them over to a reprobate mind. You can read about that in the book of Romans, chapter 1, which is describing the trajectory of the abandonment of truth in our times and for all times. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, in other words, who claim that darkness is light. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. When they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their foolish imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools." Therefore, God gives them over to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, changing the truth of God into a lie and worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator. So God gives them up to vile affections, for even their woman did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the man leaving The natural use of the woman burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men working that which seemly, unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which is appropriate. So, God gives them over to a reprobate mind. Not only those that do it, but not only those that do the same, but have pleasure in them and do them, will receive the judgment of God for the darkness that is in them. So, darkness is overcoming the earth. Darkness is overshadowing the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Bible talks about his light 
rising among the darkness, amid the darkness. Have you ever noticed that in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 3, the very first thing that God does is say, let there be light. Let there be light. In the beginning, God created, and then in chapter 1, verse 3 of the book of Genesis, right at the beginning, he says, let there be light. So from the very beginning of the message of the Bible, the whole gospel message is, let there be light. Why was it necessary for God to say, let there be light? Because the earth was covered with darkness. Why is it necessary for you and I to be ambassadors of light today? Because the earth is increasingly being overcome with darkness. So what are we going to do? We cannot presume that we're agents of light just because we want to be. How do we know if we're agents of light? And what's this plague of darkness all about? We want to talk about that as we move on today on Viewpoint. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Let there be light. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, before they were allowed to come out, there had to be these plagues that gave a warning to Pharaoh as a type of Antichrist at that time, who had declared, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? That same message is going out across our world today, even, yes, from NASCAR and all of the great sports leagues in the country and the world, who is the Lord that we should obey his voice. And men and their institutions love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Having rejected the light of the world, they now are embracing a counterfeit light whose original name was called Lucifer. Lucifer meaning light. Isn't this fascinating? So today we're talking about overcoming the plague of darkness in our world, in our own lives, because as Jesus said, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? And he was talking to believers. You're the light of the world, he said, but if the light that's in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Wow. So is it possible then that we could profess to be agents of light, ambassadors of light, and yet be walking in darkness and be actually purveyors of darkness rather than light while thinking we're purveyors of light? Jesus said so. What do you say? Well, as we look at this matter of light and darkness, we find that this plague of darkness is not just a then-time plague in Egypt, but it's also a now-time plague and an end-time plague. That's right. If we were to look at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, verse 29, by the way, the chapter 28 of the book of uh, Deuteronomy is called The Blessings and the Cursings. Deuteronomy is, shall we say, the book of Hebrews finishing up or wrapping up together the 
previous four books of the Bible. And uh, just as Hebrews is a wrapping up of both the Old and the New Testaments in a, uh, a restoration, a complete uh, reiteration, shall we say, of the spirit of the Scriptures. So in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, we find God warning the children of Israel, who are supposed to be the children of light. They were the ones that were called out of Egypt. There was light in their homes when there was darkness only in the homes of the children of Egypt. And so God expected the children of Israel to walk in the light as he was in the light. But he said, if you will obey my voice and listen and do my will and observe all my commandments, then all these blessings are going to come upon you and overtake you. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed will be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and your basket and your store. And blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out, and your enemies that rise up against you shall be smitten before your face, and so on. Fourteen verses of blessings. But then in verse 15 of Deuteronomy chapter 28, the whole story reverses. But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe his commandments and his statutes, which I shall command you this day, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Now, what's interesting is that the listing of curses covers through verse 68, from verse 15 to 68, 53 verses, whereas the blessings only encompass 14 verses. Why would that be? Well, here's the reason. Have you ever wondered why there seems to be so much negativity, uh, particularly in the Old Testament? It's because God knows the hearts of men, and he knows that it takes three times as much warning as it does wooing to get their attention. That's the reason. He knows what is in man. The Scripture says that Jesus knew what was in man. And so he wouldn't reveal certain things to them because he knew what was in man. And he does. God knows what is in man. He knows our downsittings and our uprisings, even yours and mine, by the way. And so if we want to walk as ambassadors of light to overcome the plague of darkness in our lives, we need to have a more, shall we say, deeper and more visceral understanding of what this battle of light and darkness is really about. When God says, let there be light, he really means that. And he wasn't just talking about terrestrial light. It was on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. So in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, we find a very interesting statement about halfway through the warnings if Israel would not obey God. In verse 29, it says, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness. You shall grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness, and you're not going to prosper in your ways, and you'll be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save you. Oh, wow. You shall grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like what's happening in our world today? Doesn't that sound an awful lot like what's happening out of Washington, D.C.? 
Doesn't it sound like an awful lot of what's happening out of our the governors of our states, out of our legislators, even as, out of many of the mouths of uh, purported leaders in the church today? They're groping, groping for something, groping right in the middle of the day, but it's as if it's in the middle of the night. They're groping in darkness, and they're not going to prosper. Wow. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a groper. I don't want to be a grumper. I don't want to be a griper, and I don't want to be a groper. And I'm sure you don't either. But the problem is that if we do not understand what God is talking about and how he seriously is encouraging us to walk in the light as he is in the light, we are going to grope in darkness. And increasingly, many, many, many Christians are groping in darkness. In fact, as the COVID situation has come over our world, it is as if a gross darkness has come upon the people. And as the government, the governments of the world, have sought to choreograph this uh, unfortunate virus into something far more dangerous and bring darkness upon the whole earth by causing us to shift our trust from the God of light to the government of darkness. That's how Lucifer works. Lucifer, i.e. Satan, i.e. the father or fomenter of the coming Antichrist, loves darkness even though his name meant light. Isn't this fascinating? So how did he move? How did Satan move from a name, Lucifer, that meant light, and, you know, we have the term lucent? That's that's where it comes from. You see light. How did he move from being light to the agent of darkness? It's very simple. He rebelled. He rebelled against God and said, I will be like the Most High. I don't much need you anymore, Lord. Uh, Yes, you've exalted me in high measure beyond anyone else, any other created being. And uh, being exalted, I can be equal to God. I can be like the Most High. And I will ascend to the heights of the north. And I will reign on Mount Zion. I will be King of Kings on the Mount. Yet, he's the agent of darkness in order to accomplish that. So, it should not be that confusing to people when the scripture, when Jesus said, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Here's the question then. Do you love darkness? You see, In order to apply the scriptures, we have to ask rhetorical questions. The scriptures are actually given to us so that we will apply them that way. Do I love darkness rather than light? Well, that's a very simple thing to answer. Do you agree with what God says about the various issues of life? If you do, you love light. If you don't, you love darkness. 
Darkness is that which disses or disagrees with God. Light is that which agrees with him. Because God is light, and in him is no darkness, the scripture says. So we have to decide. Are we going to follow Lucifer, who pretends to be the agent of light, but is actually the agent of darkness, or are we going to follow God, who is light, and in him is no darkness, even a shadow of turning? The whole scripture is framed around this understanding. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, we're told that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people in the end times. Are we there yet? Are we seeing that taking place yet? Israel right now is groping in darkness, right in the middle of the day. With light all around them, they're still growing and groping in darkness. Why is that? Because they rejected the light of the world. And they're still rejecting the light of the world. That's one of the reasons why I have just completed the writing of the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Because the whole world is in mystery. The whole world is in a mysterious darkness, including Israel. But when the revelation of the light from God, who came in the form of a man, Yeshua, Jesus, to be the light of the world, when that happened, Israel had the opportunity to fulfill God's purpose as ambassadors of light. But for now, they're limited to being ambassadors of the law. And that's how they see it. Ambassadors of law, not of light. Yet you and I, if we're professing to be followers of Christ, are called to be ambassadors of light. How do we do that? What is required for us, for you, for me, to be an ambassador of light? Did you know, by the way, that Jesus became heaven's ambassador of light? If we were to go to the book of John, chapter 9, I think it is, verse uh, 5, we find that that's exactly what the Scripture says. In fact, we're told uh, that, turn these pages quickly, John chapter 9, verse 5, As long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. Well, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus in the world today? Don't answer too quickly. The answer is no. He ascended back to the Father. He did send his Holy Spirit to be our comforter and our teacher, but Jesus himself is not in the world today. God ordained him to be the ambassador of light to the world, starting with the Jewish people, with Israel. That's why the scripture says salvation is of the Jews. But the Jews rejected him, most of them. 
But as many as did receive the light of the world, to them he gave authority to become the sons of God, even to as many as truly believed on his name and began to walk in his word, his will, and his ways. In other words, obey his voice like Israel did not. Jesus pervaded the world with his light by being obedient. Did you know that? How did we know that Jesus was the light of the world? He demonstrated that by his obedience to the Father. As the Father uh, sent him, he sent him to do his will. Jesus said, my meat, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. Jesus got his message of light from the one who was the light, the Father. In him was no darkness at all. And so Jesus was able to be that light as God in the flesh on this planet, and he displayed that through his obedience. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 that we should allow the same mind to be in us which was also in Christ, not grasping at anything to be like God in itself, but we should be obedient just as Jesus was even unto death the light of the world. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. We want to be ambassadors of light, don't we? We want to overcome the plague of darkness. Now, interestingly, as I was preparing for the program here today, I got to thinking, you know, this ministry is a lighthouse ministry. That's what it is. In fact, we've even displayed right there on our website, saveus.org, the very characteristics of what a lighthouse ministry is and should be. You can find it on our website, saveus.org. Go looking for what uh, Save America Ministry is, and uh, it talks about a lighthouse ministry. I think it would be very encouraging to you. It would be very insightful as well because many of us have a wrong understanding of what a lighthouse is supposed to be and do. Jesus was a lighthouse. He was a lighthouse on two legs. Everywhere he walked, he was the light of the world. But what did he do to display that light? In Philippians chapter 2, verse, uh, whatever it is, about maybe 9, 10, it says that uh, Jesus became obedient even to the death on the cross, wherefore God gave him a name that was above every name. 
that at the name of Jesus, Yeshua, every knee should bow, both in heaven and earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, that he was the light. But how did he display that light as heaven's ultimate ambassador? He obeyed the Father. It's very simple. And the Bible also says in Hebrews chapter 5 that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. It also says in the book of Isaiah that Jesus was a, had to make a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Doesn't that surprise you? That Jesus, the light of the world, had to make a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord? Yes, because if you don't walk with a complete understanding of the fear of the Lord, you can't be an ambassador of light in a dark world. Jesus couldn't, and neither can you or me. We can't. The fear of the Lord is what leads us to obedience before love. The fear of the Lord is what brings us to the place of repentance, recognizing our sin, and that we're not the light but darkness because we love darkness rather than light, because our deeds actually are not consistent with the light. So we want to be ambassadors of light. I hope. When Jesus said then, when he was going to ascend back to the Father in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, now you are the light of the world. Jesus said, while I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. John chapter 9, verse 5. But now he says, you're the light of the world. But then he also says, but if the light that is in you be darkness, then how great is that darkness? Now let's talk about that for just a moment. If we say we see, Jesus said, then your darkness remains. Your blindness remains. Jesus said that to the religious leaders of his day. They were supposed to be the spiritual leaders of Israel. He said, you say that you see, therefore your blindness remains. What did he mean by that? He meant that if you're walking in the ways of the world, no matter how religious it may be, no matter how much churchianity you might be engaged in, and you're not obeying God and not doing things from his viewpoint, you are walking in darkness while you think you're walking in the light. So if you're claiming to walk in the light, but you're actually walking in darkness, then the effect of that darkness is even greater. Why? Because it is totally hypocritical. That's what's happened to our country. Our country has watched professing Christians degenerate into darkness while professing to the agents and emissaries of light. They've watched how we've divorced our spouses at the same rate as everybody else. They have watched as we have set aside what they well understand to be the limitations of Scripture for those that walk in the light, that if and when you're divorced, you don't get remarried if your spouse is still living. That's been well understood in this country during its entire period until the last 50, 60 years. The same thing has happened in not-so-jolly-old England. 
when the British decided that they were going to set aside, the Church of England decided they were going to set aside 400 years of theological conviction based upon the scriptures so as to allow Prince Charles to marry after he was divorced and to marry a divorced woman and then to allow him to become king. This is how men love darkness rather than light. I know it may sound a bit shocking, but then if you come to this country and you find that two or three of the major evangelical denominations, including charismatic denominations in this country, within the last 20 years, have completely overturned their foundational theological convictions concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Why? To pander to the culture because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So while purporting to be the agents of light here and around the world, we're actually spreading darkness in the name of the light. Does that sound like... uh, Perversion to you? It's creating nothing but a spirit of darkness over the earth. Now, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 20, you're, we are all familiar with the fact that God calls us to be ambassadors. You and I are to be ambassadors of Christ. Now, what is an ambassador? Think about this. What is an ambassador? An ambassador represents a government, or a, uh, a country, right? So of what country do we as professing believers purport to be ambassadors? The kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of light. Not darkness, but of light. But if in our so-called role as ambassadors, whether individually or as families or as congregations and so on, we are actually engaging in acts and beliefs and behaviors of darkness, what kind of light are we spreading? We're not spreading the light, we're spreading darkness. We're making spreading nothing but confusion into an ever-darkening world. It's unbelievable, and we still don't get it. We don't get it. Our pastors don't get it. Our theologians don't get it. Our parachurch leaders don't get it. Broadcasters aren't getting it. Authors are not getting it. We somehow think that we can pander to the darkness to win the darkness to the light. It doesn't work that way, friends. Jesus didn't try to do that. No time, nowhere, no how did Jesus ever try to do that, and neither did any of the apostles. They called it like it was, and even if it meant they weren't going to have a mega church, that's what they did. One day, Jesus lost 500 of his disciples by just saying one thing. But he didn't make an apology for it. Why do we make apologies? Because we don't embrace darkness. There's something in us that loves darkness rather than light, isn't there? If we're really honest about it, 
And that's the reason we have no true revival in America after 40 to 50 years of crying out to the Lord for it. We have the pretense of revival, but we don't have revival. Even the calls for revival or renewal are not truly calling people to repent of their own sin. They're calling the people, the pagans, to repent of their darkness while the children of the light are acting more like darkness. So, as Jesus said, if the light that is in us be darkness, then how great is that darkness? I don't know about you. Uh, I, I recognize that I hold this treasure in an earthen vessel. I'm more aware of that every single day. It's very humbling. And I don't want to lose sight of that. But neither do I want to wallow in that understanding and say, okay, well, that's just the way it is. God knows my heart, and I'm going to continue to act in disobedience. What kind of foolishness is that? What kind of foolishness is that? I want to make available to you uh, one of my earlier books. My wife happens to think that it's uh, perhaps the most powerful book I've ever written called Out of Egypt. Out of Egypt. Did you know that God has called us out of the spirit of Egypt over 400 times from Genesis to Revelation? The words out of Egypt are repeated at least 400 times, or similar words, from Genesis to Revelation. Doesn't that sound like it might be a theme that God wants us to understand more fully? You see, God was able to get the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he could never get Egypt out of them. He could never get the spirit of Egypt out of them because they loved darkness rather than light. That's our problem. We actually are playing footsie with Lucifer and don't even realize it. And when you play footsie with Lucifer, you are preparing yourself to receive a counterfeit Messiah, a counterfeit Christ, one who comes as an agent of light. You might want to consider getting that book too. Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, $22 on our website. Out of Egypt, $15 on our website. These books will help you, help us all, to walk as agents of light, to understand the depths of what God is calling us to in this ever-darkening hour. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. 
incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Becoming ambassadors of light, overcoming the plague of darkness. It's not just a matter of turning on the light. It's a matter of getting the windows of your lighthouse clean. Because if the windows of your lighthouse are wicked, disagreeing with what God's word, will, and way says, his word is light, it's a light unto our path, Therefore, if we diss what God's light says, we are actually embracing darkness, whether we realize it or not. And we're darkening the windows of our lighthouse so that our light is not seen as clear light. I don't know about you, but I I want my life to be seen. I I know that, that I'm imperfect. My wife is not ashamed to tell me, uh, but she doesn't preach it at me. She just says, you know, we're just not perfect. You're not perfect and neither am I. And we understand that. But we're also called to walk in perfection, aren't we? That's what God wants to see. He wants to see us walking toward perfection. Jesus said, be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. In other words, he wants you and me who purportedly represent him as the light of the world to represent that light accurately and brilliantly and persuasively and piercingly, powerfully, Whether or not we realize it, the Bible clearly says that we are to be the light of the world. Jesus said that, and in Ephesians 5, 8, the Apostle Paul talked about us being children of light and not of darkness. But we have to continually ask ourselves a rhetorical question. Am I truly a child of light? It's an honest question to be asked. Am I a child of the light? Because if the purported light that is in me be darkness, and I am seen by others to be a rebel, and I'm dissing God's word in whole or in part in various areas because I don't like it, or I'm tending to agree with the masses or what I think to be a majority of people who are dissing what God says and then laying the, my, the foundation of my life on what somebody else is telling instead of what God is saying about his word. That's not how you pursue being a child of light. You pursue being a child of light by doing the will of the Father, no matter what anybody else is saying or doing, no matter what your favorite pastor is saying, or writer, or broadcaster, whoever. And that includes yours truly. 
Not one of us is going to be able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say, but so-and-so. No. We're going to be judged according to the light. And the light is going to be quite piercing because God is light. In him there is no darkness at all, no shades of darkness, even not even a shadow of turning. So you and I need to be ch- uh, children of light if we're going to display, dispel the darkness. My wife and I were noticing the other day, my wife lights candles, and uh, they're both romantic, and then also uh, they just, uh, there's something warm about a candle in the midst of darkness or semi-darkness. So uh, my wife frequently will put a candle as, as we get up and we're going to spend time in the Word. We can't read by the candle, but there's something about the candle, and we were just commenting about it the other day. Notice how one little candle dispels the darkness. It doesn't dispel all darkness, but one little candle dispels so much darkness that it lights up a whole room so that you can see. So I want to ask you a question. And I ask myself the same question. Is my light, my life, a candle that everywhere I am and everywhere I go dispels darkness so that people become aware that there's light? Now, it's true that men love darkness because they're, rather than light because their deeds are evil. But on the other hand, people value a candle that gives light so that they can see. And there's going to be somebody around your life that is going to see your light, the light of the gospel shining out of your life because you're walking in the light as he is in the light. And they're going to be drawn to that light. Even a moth is drawn to the light. Why shouldn't people be drawn to the light? All right, let's shift for a moment. These times that we're in. These times that we're in are dark times. In fact, it's almost as if we're seeing the dark ages roll in upon us. It feels like that, doesn't it? More and more people are commenting about that. It just feels like darkness is rolling in. It's like the fog that comes in on little cat feet. Initially, it doesn't seem all that great, but then it can roll in, and before long, all it takes is 10, 15, 20 minutes, and the fog can completely enshroud you so that you can't see straight even 20 feet in front of you. I've had that experience a number of times. The same is true spiritually. The fog of darkness has come in upon our our land, upon our, our world. And as the Great Reset is being prepared, you can feel it. It's almost like a darkness that you can feel, that you can palpate. It's palpable. Like the darkness that came over Egypt in the days of Pharaoh. Scary stuff. 
But the hope is the light. And that's why God is calling you and me to be ambassadors of light. And when we are, then we dispel the false light of Lucifer. That's going to be the greatest hope that people have as the the beast empire comes into its fore and Antichrist is introduced to the world. That's why it's so important, friends, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of everyone around us. And so, let's take a few moments here as we, before we wrap up to take a look at our times. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He said, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, I have, you have no need that I write to you. In other words, you know about this, but I'm going to remind you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. In other words, he's not going to come uh, with a pre-announcement other than the kind of preparation that John the Baptist brought to prepare the way of the Lord and that you're hearing even now on this radio program. For when they shall say, that is, when the world shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Now, that's what's going to happen with the Great Reset. They're going to say, this is how you achieve peace and safety. As Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, said, you'll have nothing and be happy about it. Sounds kind of uh, strange, but that's what they think. But Paul goes on to say this, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. In other words, you should be aware of it. You should understand. You are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, he said. Therefore, let's not be asleep as others are, but let's watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. So, we are children of light, and we're to act like it. We're to let our light shine, not hide it in fear, not hide it because we think somehow it's going to be an offense. We let our light shine with genuine love first for the Lord and then love for others. First for the Lord, then love for others. If you try to love others first, you will compromise your light with the Lord. So in 1 John, what a great passage. 1 John, the beloved disciple, writes, and you ought to spend some time there in 1 John. And we're going to spend a couple moments right here. God is light. John says, this is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you, that we heard of Jesus and we're telling unto you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. But if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, 
we lie and don't do the truth. He's talking to Christians, friends. He's talking to believers, professing believers. He said, if we say we have fellowship with him, yet are still walking in darkness, in other words, we're dissing his word, we're failing to agree with him, we're not in unity with the Lord, but in unity with the culture, in unity with something else, then we're lying and we're not doing the truth. And if we're not doing the truth, we're not ambassadors of light. But, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. In other words, we need to be continually in the place of repenting when the Holy Spirit reveals to us sin, disobedience in our lives. That's how we continue to walk in the light. But if we deny the light of the revelation and uh, quickening of the Holy Spirit, when he points out the errors of our ways, then, in fact, we are choosing to walk in darkness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's not just confession. That may be good for the soul, but we have to turn from it. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, I want to point something out here. Whether you realize it or not, how many times the word if appears in these five verses. One, two, three, four, five. Then in chapter two, verse three, we get it again. Hereby we know that we know Christ if we keep his commandments. Six times the word if occurs in a matter of seven verses. The word if is the biggest little word in the Bible. It's the most important word because it links us continually to our responsibility to the light. Let's be ambassadors of light, my dear friends. Overcome the plague of darkness. Get a copy of the book, Out of Egypt, $15. Abraham had to come out of Egypt. Moses had to come out of Egypt. The scripture said Jesus had to come out of Egypt, and so do we. $15 on our website, then also Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter? $22 on the website saveus.org or give us a call 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Ambassador of Light, overcoming the plague of darkness. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.